Can I work with people, talk with people, listen to people, have discussions with people that cause them, that help them, that support them as they become more successful? Hi, and you just entered the Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant, and this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot. Thanks for coming back to the Leadership Gym. If you've been here before, if this is your first visit, what we do here is talk about leadership, and we have a constant, consistent, repetitive conversation about all the different aspects of the things that make us great leaders, that help us continue to improve as we lead others and make a difference for them in their lives, in their world, in our business, in the future of our enterprise, Whatever we're working on, leadership can change the game. And that's what we talk about here. And today, we're going to talk about two key leadership skills that you have to have to do leadership successfully, to execute it well, to achieve any kind of results with leadership. And you've heard me say this before if you've been hanging around for a little while, and that is that we hear all these things leaders have to do. You have to be charismatic, and you have to be a good communicator, and you have to be a visionary, and you have to be execution-oriented, and you have to be a good project manager and good at time management, and you have to be inclusive, and you have to be all of these things. And sure, lots of those things are good to be. I want to focus on core things that literally make a daily difference in how you lead teams of people. And that doesn't mean some of those other things don't. It's just that when you tell leaders they have to be 423 different things in order to be good, it's really hard to aspire to leadership. It's even harder to be successful at leadership if you think you have to be all these things. So what you have to do is build some foundational skills and then continue to develop and grow as a leader as you add to those skills. But if you can't do some of the basic things well, it's really hard to get to the point where we're tackling all these other big challenges that are associated with leadership. Let's do a couple of things really well first, and let's make sure that we do them in a way that helps our team get better, that helps our business get better that helps us continue down our path of excellent leadership. The two things I'm going to talk about today, because I consider them essential, I consider leaders unable to execute well or be successful without them. One is coaching, the other is hiring. If we can't do these two things, it really doesn't matter if we're the other things. We can be inclusive but be a lousy coach or hire the wrong people and still fail. We can be charismatic and great communicators, a lousy coach and bad at selecting talent and still fail miserably. If we do these two things, we have a foundation to go then do the other things, to engage people more effectively, to build a stronger culture, to lead change. But if we can't do these core things well, 
then all of those things, which build on these, will probably suffer. And probably so much that we can't be successful as a leader. Let's tackle this first one, coaching. What does it mean? We use a lot of different terms and we don't define them well. Coaching is your ability to have conversations with others that help them become more successful. That's really it. Can I work with people, talk with people, listen to people, have discussions with people that cause them, that help them, that support them as they become more successful? And if I can't do that well, then I can't lead very well. And let's talk about some of the things that are associated with knowing that we do that well. You'll hear me say this a lot, but a lot of times we'll say do that well without defining what well means. Part of the way we work with people, part of the way we coach, is to make sure that people understand what good looks like relative to a set of things they're pursuing or to their job or to an outcome or to a project that they're working on. If they know what good looks like, if they know what that destination looks like, even if they've contributed to shaping that destination to one they feel good about, we will then have someone that understands the path toward it much more effectively. And that's what we want to do. Because if I know what the destination is, I understand generally, the roads that could get me there. But if I have a different destination in mind, I can't. And so there's some things that we want to make sure that we do well relative to our coaching so that we can be consistently confident in our ability to do it. We can look at it and say, I know I'm doing coaching well because these things are showing up in my world. Let's talk about a couple of them. One is that employees are generally more engaged because of our coaching rather than less engaged. I worked with an organization once a while back, and one of the things that we were talking about in one of the coaching workshops that we were doing was that coaching had a bad name within the organization. Coaching was something that happened to you when you got in trouble. And this may resonate with you or your team or in your organization. But coaching was never a good thing. It was just you getting yelled at in the boss's office for doing stuff wrong. Coaching is just what happened to you when you screwed up. That's not coaching. It might be reprimanding. It might be instructing. It might be chastising. It might be issuing consequences. It might be threatening. It could be lots of those things. It's not coaching. And so the concept inside the organization I was working with became, well, how do we do coaching so that it feels better and gets us better results rather than change the name of it because we've been doing it wrong? We don't need to rebrand coaching. We just need to coach more effectively. And that might be true in lots of organizations. So are employees generally more engaged? After coaching, do they get more excited about their work? Do they bring more of their discretionary effort to it? Do they show up more energized about the job that they're doing and the way they're going about that job? And if they aren't, if that's not happening, then our coaching can't possibly be successful if it disengages our employees along the way. Again, then it's not coaching. Remember, coaching, conversations that help them become more successful. 
you can in no world say that a disengaged employee is more likely to be successful. They're not. They're going to be less successful, at least in that role. Now, they can leave it and go somewhere else and be more engaged and find a better coach. That's okay, but it might be okay for them. It's not okay for us if our coaching caused them to leave. I don't think we'd call it good coaching, especially if they were an employee we wanted to keep, of course, right? And if not, I don't think coaching to cause them to leave should be a skill that we develop. We'll talk about firing at some point. But the bottom line is when we're trying to coach well, it shouldn't cause people to go away or disengage. Here's something else you want to think about as you think about whether you are coaching well or not. Did I change how this person thinks? Did I affect the thoughts they have, the ideas they have, the insights they have? If I didn't, if my coaching wasn't working at the thought level, If it was only working at the action level, just do this different, just do that different, just do more of this, just do less of this, start that, stop this. If it was only instructions, then it's probably not great coaching. And the reason is the third thing that we need to be looking at to make sure that we're coaching well, and that is, are the changes sustainable? Are any sort of behavior shifts that we see in others that we have coached sustainable? Do they last? So let me connect these two things a little bit. If people don't think differently, then they will only act differently out of compliance. So my boss told me to do this differently, so I'm going to do it differently from here on out. That often doesn't last very long because I may not understand why I'm doing it differently. I may not have developed new skills or asked the right questions or comprehend how doing it differently could get me better results. I maybe don't think differently if I haven't been coached well. And so my actions are not sustainable because all of our actions are driven by our thoughts and our actions cause our outcomes. If we're not working at the thought level, if our people don't think differently, if they don't have ideas about, wow, maybe if I shifted this, I could be more successful, or maybe if I tried more of that, that might actually help me here or make me more efficient or cause me to build better relationships with clients or create a different customer experience. If they are not on the front end of that, hey, let me think about this differently and then I can move in a different direction. If they are on only the action end of that, I'm going to do this because my boss said so. Then we are in trouble in terms of sustainability and we will always be the one that must have all the instructions, all the answers, solve all the problems, figure out all the next things and next steps. And that's not coaching because it doesn't help our people become more successful. It helps our people become more compliant. And that's very, very different than more successful. It also disengages them because nobody gets up and rolls out of bed, rushes out of bed to be more compliant all day. It's not something that is engaging, right? So these three things connect, but I want you to think about each one of them as you coach. Are my employees more engaged after I coach them? Do they think differently? And that doesn't mean that I make them think more like me. It means that they are challenging their own thoughts in positive ways that cause them to find new paths to success. And then that last one I talked about, the third one, 
are changes sustainable? Do you see sustainable change in these people? Often, even when we are coaching badly, we can call someone into our office. We can have a tough conversation with them. They can go out and for days, sometimes weeks, we will watch them and say, oh, yeah, they're doing that differently now. They're doing that better now. That's all they needed was a really tough conversation. And that's not to say that good coaching conversations can't be tough. But if what we're seeing is a little bit of a bump in performance, they do it better, or they do it better while we're watching, or they do it better for a period of time, and then they start to fall back into those old habits, then we haven't really changed their thinking. We've just caused them to shift their habits through willpower to stay out of trouble or avoid more coaching, because coaching feels like a bad thing. So if our results aren't sustainable and we can build on them, if you watch people develop, they get a little better here, then they add this other skill to it, then they start to connect it with this other thing they do. That's how people learn. That's how we learn everything, to ride a bike. I got this pedaling thing down. I figure out my speed. My steering starts to get better. I get to put my head up then and look where I'm going. These things build on each other. If our coaching is just resulting in temporary or momentary or only occasional change in how people operate, then it's not coaching that's going to help them be more successful at all. And therefore, it's not as valuable. It's not what can help us lead well if we can't coach well. All right, that second key skill is hiring. If we can't evaluate talent in a way that lets us bring in high potential future superstars to our team. If we don't have a process for that, then we can't be successful, even if we're a phenomenal coach, but we're bringing in people that need a ton of coaching to get to the next level. Even if they're trying, even if they want to, they still need a lot of coaching. The way they think now is very different than the way they have to think to be successful. If we've got a big gap there, then we know that our hiring is causing us to have to coach more. And it also means we get less impact out of the coaching that we do because we are working at the lower end of the performance and potential scale. So we have to make sure that we have a process for hiring that helps us select people with really high potential. That's different sometimes than having a whole lot of experience. We all know people that have done the same job for 10 years or 15 or 20 years, but they haven't done it well. They've just done it over and over. They haven't improved as they've done that job. They've just repeated that job for a long period of time. They just survived. They just didn't get fired. They could have been mediocre or lackluster or in the bottom 20% of performers, but they managed to hold on to a role for a long period of time. That's not who you want on your team. Experience is not always a judge of who's going to be successful in the future just because they were able to hold a role or a job for that period of time. So what we want to look at relative to hiring is, do I have a process for bringing in top talent? And here's how I measure that. Would I hire the people again, that I've hired within the last six months or a year, if I'm going to hire them and it's day one and I look at them six months later and say I'd hire them again, that's a pretty good hire. 
If I say a year later, I would hire them again, or I'd hire two of them, or if I had 10 of them, I could run the world. I know I hired well for that person. Now, I want to make sure I look at that across all the people that I hire, because you can look at the best hirers, the best the best acquirers of talent, and they get it right about 80% of the time. That's about as good as we get most of the time. So 80% of the time, I would look at that person and say, absolutely, I'd hire them again tomorrow, knowing everything I know after I work with them for six months or a year. But about 40% of the time, everybody gets it right. So what we do sometimes as humans is say, man, I nailed that hire. I'm good at this. Well, let's look at all the hires and say, are you consistently good at this? Or did you sort of fall into the category of 40% where pretty much everybody hits that? About 40% of the time we get somebody that we would rehire. We want to get higher than that. We want to get to 80%. We want to double that kind of work. So would I hire these people again? The second thing I want to make sure I keep in mind is, do I have a proven process? Can I improve it or do I just trust my gut to do it well? That's a dangerous place to be because we always overestimate our gut. We overestimate our ability. If someone fails on our team, we say, oh, They just fooled me in the interview because they were really good at that, or they just told me they were going to operate like this, and then they came in here and really operated like that, so it's their fault. Not that my process was so good that it found that out for people, because that's what a good hiring process does, is it uncovers those things. It treats this like an archaeology expedition. And I start to look into all of those places, all of those mindsets, all of those ideas that they have, and then determine, is that going to translate into great performance here? So do I have a proven process? Do I know what my screening looks like? Do I know what my phone interviews look like? Do I know what my in-person interviews look like? Do I have a scoring process for this? And if I don't, then I probably don't have a hiring process that can consistently bring these people in. I just trust my gut. All right. And then the third thing here on hiring, to take a look at our work and decide if we are doing hiring well, do the people you hire make your team better and raise the bar? Do we watch people come into our organization and push us and challenge us in the right way help us get better, help others engage more? Do they make our culture better after they show up here? Because they're a percentage of it now once we hire them. And each team has a culture. So even if we have thousands of people in our business, we can't look at this person as one thousandth of that culture. We want to think about culture on our team as a leader too, because culture is local as well as it is global. So we want to think about, hey, did they make this group of people? Do they ask questions in meetings that help us get better? Is there work product at a higher level that causes a few folks around them to say, man, I better step up my game too. I better lace them up because these people are getting better around me. And that's a really hard thing to measure. But you do want to look at, hey, did they come in and just do the work, fill the gap that we needed, or 
Are these people raising the bar? Are they causing us to think at a higher level? Are they challenging the status quo in ways that cause us to be more innovative, to be more open, to be more collaborative? Whatever things you want your team to be, are they bringing more of it to the table? So we want to make sure that we would hire these people again, that we do have a proven process that we can tweak and refine and systematically get better at relative to how we hire. And are we bringing people in that cause us to go to the next level because of who they are? If you do hiring and coaching well, as a leader on your team, in your business. There's lots more we can build on that. Yes, we have to lead change. Yes, we have to do other things around developing our talent. We have to have the right org structure. We have to have the right strategy to approach things. No question about it. But if we don't coach and hire well, none of that other stuff will matter very much because we will constantly be putting out fires, chasing mistakes, trying to fix problems. We won't be looking for a better future. We're just trying to fix the present if if we're not coaching and hiring well. And that's a place that disengages us over time as leaders. And we're never successful like that. Hey, if you're enjoying our conversation here, I hope that you will leave us a five-star review and also a a rating. Click those stars and tell us why other people should go listen to this podcast too. If it's helping you, I want them to find it as well. So thanks for being here today. Go coach and hire well. Take a real hard look at the way you do it. Decide where you might have improvements. Use the Leadership Gym at leadershipgym.com to help you and support you as you do. And go make a difference. <laughs>